This afternoon, we're talking to Michael Tobin, founder and managing director of Vantage Private Equity. Vantage Private Equity has run a series of funds since establishment in 2004. And they give a unique opportunity for investors to get access to private equity, which is a very specialist field and often out of the reach of the normal investor. Michael, welcome. Thank you, Chris. What started this off? What convinced you that you had to start a private equity fund? Interesting. Um, so I was working at St George Bank as head of private equity. Um, we had a fund of funds portfolio there, invested in private equity as well as venture capital. But it was institutional money. So St George balance sheet money, $50 million, and other, other industry super funds are in this $140 million fund. And I started seeing the returns that were being delivered by private equity back to the institution, the bank, and, and those other industry investors. I wanted to find out if there was a way that individuals such as myself and my team could invest in private equity. At that point in time, around 2001, there was nothing available in the Australian market for individuals to get access to that institutional grade private equity. So we started a process at St George Bank to actually manage a fund of funds or raise a fund of funds. And initially we were going to raise the capital from our private bank clients. We had a change of CEO at the bank in 2003, and as they do, they do a review of the bank's operations. Private equity was deemed non-core. So with the blessing of the bank stepped out with all this IP, we developed over a three-year time frame and formed Vantage with a couple of founders, cornerstone investors from St George Private Bank, and we got up and running. Um, so really, we are currently one of the only fund of funds or private equity funds in the, in the country that provides institutional grade private equity to individual investors. And that's really the key to what you're offering, isn't it? The fact that you can give a private investor, provided they meet your requirements and minimum investment requirements, access to private equity opportunities which are just not available to anyone on the street or even any normal high net worth person, but is only available in the institutional market. So that's a, that's a considerable niche and opportunity, is it not? Yeah, and look, I guess the barriers for an individual to participate in, in the type of private equity that we invest in is you know, one of the barriers is the high investment minimums to participate in the funds that we invest in. It tends to be somewhere between 10 to $15 million before you can actually have a look in. Then the best performing funds are closed to new investors. So some of the funds that we invest in have not taken new investors into their funds for the past 10 years. But the fact that we've been investing in private equity for 20 years or more than 20 years, have long-standing relationships in the, in, the, in the industry and have invested with these funds on a continual basis means that we've got a slot for when they come back to raise a new fund. Uh, then, of course, there's the high minimum. So, you know, $10, $15 million for an individual to build a diversified portfolio across the top tier of private equity funds in the country. They'd want to have an allocation of at least, you know, 50 to $100 million just for private equity. So that rules out most individuals. You're, you're really there looking, uh, that's only available to family offices and above. Yeah, so the, the bigger family offices would be investing in private equity in, in the country. Predominantly, it's the industry super funds. You know, we all know CBAS, MTAA, Australian Super, HESTA, etc. Big investors in private equity. Future fund, of course, in private equity. And the interesting thing when you look at the allocation that those um, those industry super funds have to private equity, it's somewhere between 10 to 20% of their total portfolio. Yet individuals in Australia that are investing predominantly in Australian you know, listed equities or bonds or property tend to have 0% allocation of private equity. 
because they just don't have access to that institutional grade private equity that I'm talking about. You've had great experience in this and you're now on to VPEG or private equity four. So uh, you've opened and closed off private equity two and three. How have they performed? Yes, they're going well. So um, obviously our first fund was VPEG one, operated across the GFC. Um, and in fact, it was the only positive returning investment for many of our clients in their entire portfolios. Pretty much wiped out on the public equity side and unlisted property and other hedge funds and things. Um, we still delivered a double digit net return to investors annualized on that fund. Uh, and we had some learnings from that fund. So our fund two, we started in 2014. Um, we started investing in, from that fund in 2014. Uh, so it's now, it had a total of 55 underlying companies invested in. We've had 11 exits. Those uh, 11 exits have div delivered north of a 30% per annum return. Um, and that fund itself is delivering around 20% per annum return as at 31 March. Uh, so our fund three, uh, we launched in 2017. Uh, it's uh, now got around th 38 underlying company investments. We've had two exits from that portfolio. Both of those exits have delivered north of 40% per annum returns. And that investment, that fund is sitting on around a 21.6% per annum return as at 31 March as well. So each fund has a, a life cycle um, of some number of years, seven, eight, nine. Can it go longer than that number of years? Uh, look, our intention is that it doesn't. Uh, obviously, there, there could be a GFC scenario again. Our fund one tended to operate across almost two halves. So we call it a, a VPEG A and a VPEG B. Half the fund was invested pre-GFC. Then there was a two-year period, no investments, and then the other half post-GFC. So it was a longer, little bit of a longer hold period. Um, you remove that GFC period, the IRR obviously increases. The holding period for investments in that fund was a little bit longer. As I say, for our fund two and our fund three, the average hold period is less than three years for investments in that portfolio. Um, so investments are made over time. Capital is called progressively from investors as those investments are made. But then as those investments are exited, investors are getting their capital back and the returns on that. We've just distributed 29% of committed capital in one distribution from four exits to our VPEG2 investors. Um, so generally the, the investment term is somewhere between six to eight years, but it really depends on how long those underlying investments are held. We're finding in this market, the investments are held for a shorter period of time than what they were for our fund one. So one, two and three, are all closed, they're still operating, but they're closed. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about VPEG 4, which is the current one, that you open that for a period of two years. Yes. Then you close it to new investments. You've raised, you say, 80 million so far, and you're targeting 100 million. Yes, that's correct. And then once the investor has committed to that, they've got a minimum four-year term, effectively, yes. when, they, when they can't redeem. So this is not the sort of fund that you want to try and trade and neither would you want to for no. private equity private equity is not a trading fund it doesn't private equity doesn't exist or, or perform well in listed markets sure. the nature of private equity is that the managers take their time to find the best deals and then find the pay you know obviously a very attractive price to to buy into those um, transactions uh, but then take their achieve their investment thesis, which generally is to generate at least three to four times earnings growth in the company, and they do that by a number of methods, uh, and then exit that company, so sell it 
you know, to an IPO or to a, another private equity firm or in a trade sale. Generally, the, the model for our managers that we invest into the funds is to grow earnings three times in a two to three year time frame and deliver about a two to four times return on investment. And what's the track record been? I mean, it's it's obviously too early to tell on VPEG 4, but for VPEG 2 and 3, what's the sort of track record uh, have you achieved so far? Yeah, sure. Look, our target return is 20% per annum net to investor after all fees. Um, we've achieved that already with our Fund 2 and our Fund 3. So Fund 3 is obviously the more recent one. So we've achieved that in, uh, you know, less than sort of four years from our first close. So that's, uh, you know, a good testament to... Um, the ability of our underlying funds to deliver the returns on their underlying investments. We've had no failures across those two funds. There was a couple of failures in our fund one across that GFC period, but given the fact that each each underlying company represents only about 2% of the portfolio of initial investment, if there is a failure, it really has little impact on the overall returns of the fund as we're getting sometimes three, four, you know, seven times return on other investments. Um, so that's the, that's the nature of the approach. It's a really diversified um, investment strategy. So one of the attractions, it sounds to me, is you don't have to do the heavy lifting on the research of the underlying companies or even find the underlying companies. You just need to have access and good contacts to these well-established private equity funds that no one else, or most normal people, can't get access to. Well, that's one thing. One thing is the access, obviously, but then there's a, a constant flux of managers coming and going out of the market. So, as I said, we're focused on low mid-market. Interesting thing was from our fund one to our fund two, there was only one uh, manager that was the same for the funds that we're managing. So all the other managers that we invested in our fund one, we didn't invest with again for a number of reasons. Some of them moved out out of the space into the, you know, sort of north of $1 billion fund size, um, which is not where we're focused. Um, and some of them are, uh, you know, maybe the team split. So if a team splits, we don't invest with that fund manager again. Um, and so what we've found is consistency now in the funds. Oh, and then there's also a succession issue. Mm-hmm. So if a, a fund management team wants to retire, um, they need to obviously have a team of skilled individuals below them that can actually take over those slots. So they're the three reasons why managers move out of the space. And so we're constantly monitoring what's going on in the private equity market in Australia. We only invest in Australia. So it's Australian funds investing in Australian and New Zealand companies. And so given that fact that we only focus on private equity, only on low mid market in Australia, we have very strong and deep industry knowledge around who is, who is coming into the space, who's moving out of the space. And often when it comes to an investment into a, a, a new fund of a manager that we have not invested with before, we might have known that manager and formed a relationship with them for at least five years, um, sometimes 10 years before we actually invest with them. Um, so it's not so much just the access as such, but it's the fact that we build a portfolio of the strongest performing managers in that low mid-market segment that will continually deliver that strong return that we're seeking to deliver to investors. Michael, it's been really interesting talking to you. Thank you very much for your time. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you very much, Chris.